This is the Ring of Honor, aka Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you ever seen, boy. This is Mister Anderson. This is good old Jr. Jim Rock, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Power, power. We got the world champion. That might be one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Knockouts and three counts is the podcast, baby. That's a real deal, baby. Knockouts and three counts starts now. What up, though? It is another Thursday, and I'm smiling like Sam Alvey. And if you didn't get to check out Tuesday's show with Sam Alvey, you need to go back and check that out. I mean, if you're a betting type of man like I have been lately and J-Bone has been lately, I mean, dude, he gave you an exact time and an exact round (laughs) that he was going to knock his opponent out. He said, and you heard it here first, four minutes and 43 seconds in the first round, he was going to knock out his opponent come this Saturday at UFC Vegas 59, which we're going to give you our full picks to. But like I said, if you didn't get to check out Tuesday's episode with Sam Alvey, he also told us what his dream match would be in pro wrestling. But since we're talking about pro wrestling, we're talking about MMA. We got our buddy Chris Connor from last call with Chris Connor to rejoin us and talk a little bit about MMA and some wrestling. Hence the Thursday throwdown. How are you doing, kind sir? I'm doing well. We, we got to talk boxing because we got to mention this whole debacle of Paul versus Rockman. Yeah. Who was called? Who didn't make weight? I even had some inside notes on exactly why this whole thing got canceled, which I'll tell you guys later on. But and I like, mean, we got to the whole thing about you sick and Joshua. Hell yeah! You crazy? I mean, we got to, I'm still blown by what you Alexander Usyk has done. No other athlete would do that, but him. I'm like, you gotta give him props. Well, let us in on it, bro. We can start right there. Uh, He's talking about the Alexander Usyk and uh, Joshua rematch that's going to be happening, and there's a bunch of uh, really newsworthy stuff to talk about when it comes to this fight. So first off, we also are working on getting a little spoiler here. We're working on getting Alexander Krusik, the promoter of of, uh, Usyk, to come on next couple couple days. We're definitely going to talk about him, but... If you've just heard or, you know, you've been paying attention online this, you know, today, uh, basically, Alexander Usyk went to the Saudis to purchase the TV rights for Ukraine. Right now, Ukraine doesn't have any TV rights. Uh, Everything in Western Europe is covered by, uh, by, you know, by uh, basically by Dubois and, you know, BBC and all that. And the Saudis said, all right, you know what? We, you can't afford it, but we, as a gift to you, we're going to give the Ukraine, you know, basically, we're going to give basically the, UK, the Ukrainian TV stations, your YouTube channel, and the streaming free rights to the fight. Wow. I mean, think of it. Would any other athlete in America do that? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pers- you know, basically take money out of my own pocket so that all these people can watch it for free. Because, you know, they're going through a tough time. I mean, you think mm-hmm. LeBron James would do that? Tom Brady? You know, The Rock? No, none of them would. You, you look at you, so you go, you're willing to buy this to, for your people. You got to give props to a guy like that. That's just, you know. Well, I mean, he's. Yeah. I, I, I thought we were. I, but he was already on, you know, a bit of hiatus, we'll call it, because of, you know, everything going on in Ukraine. So for him to 
yet again go kind of above and beyond the call of duty to uh make sure that the people of you know the land he just spent the last few months year defending get to at least uh see what all that work you know was for i guess you could say i completely agree dude it's it's insane too because you know, in a day when we're talking about the UFC, where you hear people talking about all the time, like pay-per-view points and and who's getting money off the buys and this, that, and the other, to hear somebody do that, and not only do that, but in a fight of this high of a magnitude, that is a, um, mm-hmm. it's a hell of a thing to do, and especially with what's going on, obviously, with uh, UK- Ukraine and uh, Russia. You know, I mean, that's a that's a big move. So shout out to uh, Ugas. What up, though, Cody? Um, we see in the comments, anybody who's in the comments, chime in. Let us know where you're watching from and uh, what you're going to be watching this weekend. You know, I, for one, am going to be at the Tigers game on Saturday. Hopefully they do not let three ground balls go through their legs in one inning like they did when I was there last time. And uh, we'll be doing all right. But, uh, yeah, let us know what you're going to be watching. Um, UFC Vegas 59 is going down this weekend as well. Like we said, this week's guest, Sam Alvey, will be fighting on it. And past guest of the show, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, will be fighting in the main event. So let us know if you're watching, who you got, uh, what kind of parlays you're throwing down. And uh, we're going to have to see where uh, J-Bone is going to be laying his bets for Saturday as well. What up, though, Chris? We appreciate you guys watching. Make sure you guys share the stream if you guys feel so inclined. But, all right, so we started off with a little bit of boxing, talking about uh, Ugas and Joshua. Um, We also had AW Dynamite last night that went down, and there was also some news that came down on a couple different fronts uh, for AEW in that it was announced that a few people were getting some promotions and then there was also some new people being brought in like Madison rain, multiple time impact world uh, women's world champion is being brought in as not only a coach, but clearly she's going to be wrestling because she'll be wrestling on uh rampage in her hometown tomorrow. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, some of these promotions that we saw from AEW? Do you think it's going to be a big change? Um, like I said, I, uh, I think Madison Rain will definitely be a good thing as far as coach-wise, and obviously she can still wrestle on the women's side. I, I just don't put much stock in it. I mean, it's until Tony Khan wants to really invest in women's wrestling, you know, put more than one match, you know, on a dynamite, just throw it out there, Tony. It's still going to be the same thing, and I – you know, I think it's basically to me, I read like almost a PR, like, oh, yes, we're doing this, this, and this, and it's going to be great, and this, this, and this. And it's like, okay, how about you start putting more women's wrestling on, you know, investing in it? Because it's almost like they just look and go, okay, we did one wrestling women's match. Great, yay! And that's it. You're not there's wrong. Not, I mean, there's, there's not a ton yeah. of matches, but I mean, they had, uh, you know, we saw on Dynamite this week, we saw the Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter go against Thunderstorm, which, oh my God, Tony Storm going from corner to corner and hitting that ass bump in the corner, like the whiplash, son of a bitch. Um, but you're right. There's not 
a ton of women's matches on each card. I definitely think that there could be more of that. But, okay, let me ask you this. Do you think some of that could be uh, resolved by maybe Dynamite becoming a two-hour show as well? Oh, God, no. No, it just... <laughs> Look, I've always said you've got to cut back on the talent. I mean, they have too much talent. It... They, have, they have 130 wrestlers. 130, where are you going to put all these people? And don't give me the YouTube stuff because nobody really cares about the YouTube. It's like they don't have it. It's too many people. Like every WWE guy who gets cut, there's Tony going, come here. I love you. Come here. <laughs> I mean, even you want to admit when he's, you know, embracing Cesaro as if I, that's how I would embrace like Halle Berry or Ebony Mystique <laughs> or. Reagan Fox, like, you know, the, the huge hug, and it's like, that will let go. That's what he's doing to a, a male wrestler. That's when you pull the man card, go, okay. You lost your man card there, buddy. You lost. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to say that after Forbidden Door, I mean, I saw everybody talking about how he was so huggy at the press conference, but. There's huggy, and it's like full on just groping. Come on. <laughs> Would you do that? I mean, if you're running a business, do you walk up to your employees? And go, I mean, I'm not oh. saying that I would be hugging everybody, but I mean, I, we all know Tony's. E, a, I love it. We <laughs> all know Tony's a fan too, so I I don't know, but I can't lie. I did look, and I'm like, but, wow, he is like hugging a lot of people. It, I mean, it, I you make valid points, right? Like with the women's matches, yeah, they definitely should and could. And I feel like it would help the business even if they were able to really put some more women's matches and highlight, you know, spots. It seems like they've had the same rotation of the, you know, three to five women that have been near the top while Britt Baker was basically at the top the whole time and now Thunder Rosa and so on, you know. But really, other than that, to your point, there hasn't been a huge showcase in talent and then every time to yet again to your point that wwe lets go of somebody because they don't fit into their you know storyline or whatever the case be i mean i get it right these are talented wrestlers that are really good at their craft but if you're already struggling to get the guys that you have on your rosters that you signed for the exact same reason that you know they're good at their craft and so on and so forth if you're struggling to get them in your storyline where are you just going to keep pulling new guys from and filling spots with as well it's yeah it's an interesting direction and in with the points that you make i mean so here's the thing there there are still they're still um doing well as far as like where they're at in the ratings but they at the same time though they've definitely had a drop off from where they were at and you know chris brought up the last time he was on about hbo max but what were what was uh what was it that you were telling us about the show before the show about that though well, chris you just saw the hbo max cut i mean literally they spent 90 million dollars on background they basically canceled it mm-hmm. so not, we're not airing it anywhere they also are you know in the process of this of supposedly canceling supergirl Green Lantern series. There's now talks they might be canceling Blue Beetle. I mean, I, I keep telling people, like, you know, David Zaslav, Zala, you know, Zaslav, who is 
the head of now Discovery, you know, Warner Brothers. He's not married to AEW. He didn't do a deal. He didn't sign them. We don't know if he's a pro wrestling fan or not. Probably isn't. He's looking going, I'm going to trim payroll. If this doesn't, you know, match with what we're doing for the company, I'm getting rid of it. And do I think they'll, you know, get you know cut right away? No, but I could see them at the end of your contract, you know, David going, all right, we're done. It was nice. We're moving on because... Look, they got the NBA contract coming up in about a year and a half. They got the NCAA, you know, Final Four contract coming up. You have Major League Baseball coming up. You have a lot of contracts coming up, and all of a sudden they're going to cost billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Why the hell do you want to, you know, keep AEW for a show that yeah, okay, it does eight hundred thousand Reno in the ratings, but it's not something that is a huge hit. It's not something that gets probably a lot of advertisers. It's still, you know, a niche product. It is. It's definitely that it's definitely a niche product in that, in that regard. I don't know about the advertisers. I feel like with the, the whole pull with the con family and stuff, I feel like they'd probably do fairly well in the advertising sphere, but yeah, I mean the viewer, you brought this point up the one of the last times you're on the show as well. And, you know, I, I had done a little more arguing against it at that point, but, you know, with the clear trimmings that are being done, you know, out there, yeah, I, there's definitely a possibility for it. It's just going to be interesting to see how things play out. I certainly don't think that, I don't know that we're going to see like what happened with WCW where TNT and TBS, you know, just say the hell with it and they're done with wrestling. Although that being said, you know, we've heard, uh, you know, we heard it rumored a few times about there being more with AEW and HBO max. Well, clearly if they're cutting that stuff, maybe that could change as well. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but what were your thoughts on uh, some of what we saw? You know, you mentioned you wanted to see Sam Alvey versus orange Cassidy. Well, (laughs) orange Cassidy had himself a hell of a match on uh aw dynamite man and i don't know it's uh jay lethal coming off of what happened with rick flair's last match if any of you guys watch rick flair's last match or the show let us know uh what you think in the comments but uh it's gonna be interesting to see where we go with it but jay lethal um getting himself a w over orange cassidy on aw dynamite I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't, it, it feels like it's the, the next victim for Wardlow. And I've also, I don't, oh no, that, that I look so, there's a guy, but they're really screwing up. It's like you got two hot acts, you got MJF and you had Wardlow. But the to a few guys that you've developed that are yours, that are hot, that you know, WWE probably looks and goes, We'd love to have those guys. And yet, MJF is now basically. You know, on milk cartons, you know, where is MJF? I don't know. Did Tony bury him somewhere in the desert? We'll find <laughs> out. And Wardlow's like, okay, they need to push him against guys. Like, you know, this is where you push him against, like, a Cesaro and put him over. Or, or a, you know, Ma- uh, Malachi Black and put him over. I mean, this is where you start going, okay, he's earned that right to have wins over top guys. Not... Jay Lethal, who's been basically mostly a jobber, 
for the most part, since he came into AEW and hanging out with best friends. who They're nice, but they're comedy acts. So it's like, this is how you're treating this monster. Uh, so, okay, that's a hell of a match J-Bone just suggested. I mean, you got the ROH television title on the line, too. I want to see Wardlow versus Samoa Joe, just fantasy booking. I don't really have a problem with how they've booked uh, Wardlow, at least thus far, but I do agree with you now that he has the TNT championship. They definitely need to start upping uh, some of the level of competition for him, which I think, I mean, I think they are slowly, but surely, but I think now that he's got the championship, they're going to have to solidify, you know, his reign as champion. Now that matchup that Jordan just uh, suggested could be one hell of a way to do so. But I think right now they're going to try to finish things with, uh, Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. Hey, Jay Bone, how's it looking out there at the Tigers game or did it get rained over? Um, but with that being said, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. And then we've got next week, you know, they're saying it's – or is it going to be next week or at all out? One or the other. You know, you're going to have uh, John Moxley versus the Lionheart version of Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship. I think it's going to be a great match. Um I still am interested to see how this is going to play out, though, as far as when CM Punk comes back, if they're just going to have the two of them face or what's going to happen. What do you think about uh, the world title picture over there, Chris? I mean, it's... They should never put it on CM Punk. I'm sorry. he it, He's old. I mean, it, we... Uh, I know people say, you know, we're looking here. I'm, I'm, look, I, I'm not a big CM Punk fan. I There's reasons behind that which you want to get into but i mean look this is a guy who you signed he's like he's 43 years old he had retired been away for eight years basically and he got hurt and he got hurt doing a move which he wasn't supposed to do because he had no you know experience doing it now all of a sudden is this going to be a recurring thing i mean is this going to be something i mean Last time people talked to him, he's, he was still in pain, having trouble walking. So, I don't know. This is, right now, if you're AEW, you basically put the belt on Moxley, and you go, he's a champion. and You hope that CM Punk comes back, but he, he might not for a while because broken bones in the foot, those aren't you know something that heals quickly, especially the older you get. Well, yeah, that's that's for but, sure. I, any type of foot injury, they just take forever to heal, especially if you're trying to still be any type of active. I mean, you know, you're on your feet, so you're going to have to deal with, you know, in his circumstance, broken bones. Of course, he's not going to be immediately, but, you know, a couple months from now, he's going to still be trying to be active on it. And <clears throat> for broken bones, the best thing you can do is just rest them. And unfortunately, it's one thing you can't do with feet. But uh, that being said, I, I see why they did it. it with the whole CM Punk thing because they wanted to give him that run of, you know, official AEW, you know, champion run. I'm sure they didn't want this injury to hit as fast as it did. You know, that's that's definitely unfortunate and stuff. But not right after I, you win I, the belt. Yeah, I imagine what it what it'll basically boil into is whenever he does come back, if he does come back for that matter, it it will be if not one or two matches away from it, it'll be like, hey, I'm back to immediately, you know, claim what's mine type of push. But we'll see when that time comes. Well, I mean, it gives perfect timing for somebody like Moxley to who's been kind of away from the top for a while. 
I mean, you build him up, you give him a few title defenses. I mean, and then the thing is, you got to remember that uh, w- who knows how long uh, the Blackpool Combat Club is going to be around. Right now, I mean, when you think about it, they've really got all the shit in AEW. They've got the AEW title. They got the Ring of Honor title. They've got the Pure title. They've got all the belts right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, out of the Blackpool Combat Club because I was talking about this uh, when I was listening to Busted Open. Shout out to past guests of the show, Dave LaGreca and Ryan McKinnell. Um I don't know that it would happen anywhere down the road, but I just get vibes with Wheeler Yuta, although I think he's soaking up all the knowledge he can from the Blackpool Combat Club. Something tells me with him having that pure title, I feel like at some point he's going to get a little big for his britches and go head-to-head with uh, Moxley or one of them. And even if it's not getting you know too big for the Blackpool Combat Club, you know when they first came in, he basically had to prove himself against him I could see him at some point, you know, after he's been in there a while, coming back and saying, you know what, I've been in the Blackpool Combat Club for a while. It's time for me to be the guy. Um, Like I say, that's something that I could uh, see in the near future. But uh, like I said, right now, Blackpool Combat Club seems to be running everything in AEW, despite what Jericho says. But that all could change um, come next week. So we're going to have to see how that plays out chris i know there's some more fights uh before we get to ufc vegas 59 what else are you looking forward to on the weekend well i i guess say when you first off we gotta get to this because you this is just it's pure boxing boxing at its best or worst <laughs> we were supposed to have this big fight you know you might have heard of it like hasim rockman jr versus Jake Paul, and it was going to be on pay-per-view, and that thing blew up worse than, well, you know, like a drunken bum, you know, trying to cook, you know, meth and cocaine at the same time. I mean, it's just, it's just. Uh, Sounds like it could be combustible. Here's the, here's the truth about what happened. They, basically, they didn't sell enough tickets. I mean, you know. As of last week, when they canceled it, they'd only sold 5,000 tickets. It wasn't a big seller. It was supposed to be on pay-per-view. And, you know, the bubble sort of burst on Jake Paul. I mean, when he fought, you know, the first time, it was okay. It was nice. And then when he fought Ben Askren, Askren, you know, hyped it up. They played it up. And, you know, it became big. And then after that, it's like, okay. You just wonder with with uh, Jake Paul, is he serious about this? You know, like you were talking about Logan Paul. Logan Paul looks is serious about pro wrestling. He's serious about doing WWE. He has made the effort. Jake Paul hasn't fought one boxer yet. And it's like, okay, first time around, okay, no problem. Second time, no problem. You want to do the rematch with Woodley? Yeah. And then he, you know, then you, you hear all these comments like, and it's, Depending who you hear, like Hasim Rockman Jr. said, look, I I tried to get down the weight. I told him I could only make 215. I'm a 235-pound heavyweight. They said he didn't even make the weight, you know, five days out or seven days out. And you've been here, but WBC is going to rank, you know, Paul, if he wins, it's just. Rank it's him in what? Bad. 
Oh, because WBC <laughs> wants money. And they, and they look at Jake Paul. Of course they do, but how the hell can you rank him with who he's fought? He ain't even fought nobody that's even ranked in boxing. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, as for the This is the same part, WBC that ranked a dead man once. They never put anything yeah. past them. Yeah, I, the ranking thing is absolutely ridiculous. I've, I mean, I've heard both reports on both sides, right? Like, I've seen the whole thing that Ariel Hawani, I, I feel like in this situation especially, can't necessarily be trusted because he was working behind the scenes. He was supposed to be like the, you know, he was very involved with the production. So I, I don't necessarily trust everything that's, you know, being posted on his side involving this matter. But that being said, he came out and posted the whole big thing that MSG as a, you know, organization or whoever the heads of, you know, whatever came out and made a statement saying they're still willing to work with Jake Paul. It wasn't necessarily a ticket thing. They felt that there was going to be a huge influx, you know, with, you know, the week coming and stuff like that. And that it did, you know, dissolve basically because of the New York state commission, not allowing Rockman jr. To fight. Then I've heard to your point as well, the contrary thing where there's not a lot of ticket sales, the interest didn't seem to be where they wanted it to be. And then basically the, uh, the weight thing, presented itself and it was a perfect way to pull the rug out and not necessarily take the fall for it. I can see both sides for sure. I can definitely see both sides. I know me as a fight degenerate that ends up watching everything. I was excited for this one. And to your point about the not fighting boxers and stuff yet, I feel like he's at least trying to fight boxers with the whole Tommy Fury thing being canceled twice now. And then now this Rockman Jr. thing being canceled, I feel like he's at least making that attempt. And honestly, I feel like the Rockman Jr. fight was a tougher opponent had he been. Oh, able I agree to with make that. The weight and everything like that than the Tommy Fury fight, but he's at least making that attempt. The interest is still there for a fight degenerate like me. I was going to be watching it. I don't know about purchasing pay per view or not, but I was going to be watching it one way or another. But. uh that being said, um, it sucks that it's canceled, but I, I don't know which way to lie with the evidence because, you know, it could it, it truly could be a mix of the two things. But I feel kind of like it was perfect scenario to call this one quits, at least. Well, so here's the thing that was weird to me, too. Like, I mean, again, I'm not saying that I've never heard of there being a such thing as a rehydration clause, but like here's the thing even if you listen to like the press conferences and all that stuff like leading up to it just a lot of the things they were saying just was so weird like when when there's a rehydration clause and if if what Hasim Rahman Jr. says is true when you're saying that he's got to make 210 or 215 or whatever they made the contract it it was originally scheduled I believe for 200 and then they, and then the Paul side allowed it to move up to 205, and then it got canceled because he was still at 215 at the beginning of this week or whatever it was when they officially announced the cancellation. So okay, so I, I don't I know. Like, I thought it was 210, like 10, but like I feel like 10 something pounds isn't that big of a deal to make a weight cut. To your point, if there's a huge hydration clause where he's only allowed to gain back seven or something like that, then 
who knows? But and I think that was yeah. Rockman's whole argument this whole time is that if I'm only getting a ten pound rehydration and I'm a natural heavyweight, I mean, then uh, I part mean, of me then, wonders if Jake Paul really wanted this fight. To be honest with you, part of me wonders if Jake Paul wanted this fight because he thought, okay, well, I did okay with this guy in sparring. Like Rockman said, you know, you heard Rockman say multiple times leading up to this fight that a lot of the sparring sessions that they had were where he was at some kind of disadvantage, which it's not like we all haven't, you know, anyone who knows anything about fighting that somehow sometimes how sparring will go, you know, one guy will only use his left hand to get you good at defending against certain things. But it almost seemed like to me and Chris, I'd like to know your thoughts. You know, it almost seemed like to me when Rockman kind of started throwing out all those facts and saying all that, it just seemed like Jake Paul kind of just clamored up like, oh, shit, maybe I might have messed up. I, I, there's just so much you, you don't know you know who to believe. I mean, look, And again, that's all speculation. Yeah. I do that's know the ev- fight. Everything in this matter is speculation. That's yeah. the whole thing. Look, I'll tell you the one person I, re- I feel terrible for this whole thing is Amanda Serrano because she's yep. tied with Jake Paul. And as this is all going on, He's trying to get, you know, a rematch with Katie Taylor, and he's now making demands. Well, Katie, you got to drop down to one to 130 pounds to you know, make the fight. And Eddie Hearn is looking, going, "Oh, screw you! We're not, we're not conceding anything here. We're the A side. You're the B side." And if you're Amanda Serrano, how bad does this look? But your promoter can't sell, but he's canceled. You know, the fight that we're not sure if the fight's going to go on or not. You know, she's going to lose out probably on money. And she's stuck with this idiot promoter because there's not much else she can do. I mean, her original promoter was Lou DeBella. And Eddie Hearn and Lou DeBella hate each other. So, they, you know, that was basically a non-starter. Uh, PBC's not interested in women. Top rank looks to be. But once again, you'll have in the ESPN match room to zone feud, which that's not going to happen. So... She's now looking around going, okay, I'm going to go into this rematch next time out. And she'll probably have to make concessions on a lot of things. And that's because, you know, her promoter is Jake Paul, who's just looking so unprofessional these last, you know, couple weeks. You look and go, you're just an embarrassment now. You know, this was no longer about, you know, are you a real boxer or not? You know, this is now about your you're ruining everybody else around you. and But do you think that the general public's really looking at him that way, though? Because the narrative that I've been seeing is like, I mean, and we all know as wrestling fans, ultimately, a lot of times when it comes to people like this, you know, the their fans are going to follow their narrative, whether it's necessarily correct or not. And the narrative that Jake Paul's been putting out ever since all this stuff came out was that, you know, Rockman didn't want to make the weight and all that. So if that's what we're playing is the fight not happening, I don't know that I necessarily think that Jake Paul will take too big of a hit as far as the outside looking in because of how that stuff is. Now, in the manner of Amanda well, Serrano... Let me jump in just... here quicker. Uh, you're talking about fans. Fans are, are one thing. Where I'm talking about, like... Business people, promoters, boxers. Oh, I hear you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. 
they're looking right at this and go, this is this kid's a clown show. Why should we deal with him? Why should we invest in him? And as I said, if you're Eddie Hearn, you're going, what, why am I going to even listen to you next time you come in here? That's why I said this has hurt him a lot. I mean, because his fans basically follow him to either see him get knocked the, fucking, knocked the hell out or to see if he can actually win. But if you're you know, a fight fan, if you're somebody who wants to do business, if you're somebody who wants to you know, invest in him, he's made you look like a fool, and you're probably going, screw this, I'm going to deal with this kid, especially when they, they can't sell. He, you know, he's no longer a pay-per-view draw. He's no longer this you know, unusual thing. He's now just another novelty act. Let's run its course. I mean, that, that point's fairly valid, but I feel like it really boils down to a lot of these uh, B-side opponents that he's been picking lately just have not done their job of trying to promote this fight whatsoever. I mean, really the only media that you will see on it. And I don't know if that is because maybe the heat's kind of fallen off, his momentum's, you know, not on the hype train's not chewing like it was just a year or so ago. But I, I'm not sure if it's that point or if it's just that these opponents have not done, like, every time you even see any of them come out and do any type of media or anything like that, it's really just, like, uh, almost shitting on not even him. It's, like, the fight in itself taking place. Like, I don't I don't None of it's like hyping up fans to watch the fight to see, to your point, who's going to get knocked out. Is he going to actually win against a legitimate opponent or anything like that? It's just always, I, I don't know. He's the only one doing the, the hyping. And I do agree with his point when he made that, that he's the only one, you know, trying to build these fights up. And so maybe that did affect ticket sales to the point where the cancellation thing happened. I'm still sure about the whole cancellation thing. I feel like it would, it would be weird for the New York state commission to go in line with the, you know, cause they've came out and made statements as well about the whole weight thing. <clears throat> if it was really just a ticket sales thing and they just needed to cancel it cause they weren't getting the sales numbers that they were, you know, looking for. So I, I'm still trying, you know, I still feel very up in the yeah. air about the whole thing. Well, myself. they're trying to cover their bets because I'm guessing you know, the ultimate plan is eventually they cash out and it's Jake Paul versus like Anderson Silva or mm-hmm. Vitor I think Belfort. That's the, I think that's the next one. That'd be oh, a my, great I, idea. Yeah. yeah but and uh, so they want that fight because right now the Barclays gets a lot of the premium fights. You know, with everything going on, Vegas is now back getting the big, you know, big sexy fights. Or Texas, even Florida. So New York, you know, Vasco Grande, we're looking around going, okay, we'll take anything we can get right now. And if that's Jake Paul, that's Jake Paul. Because, look, in the end of the day, we're not going to burn a bridge. But let's face it, if this was about, you know, weight and everything, and they were still doing big ticket sales, like, they'd make this fight. They would go ahead. It was just, you saw, like, the, you know, the prices of the tickets sloughing around, and it was just like, there's still 10,000 tickets that haven't been sold. There's still a lot of things that, ha- you know, nobody's really covering this fight. And you, I know you say, but it was the point of hyping it. I feel it's like, well, here's the problem. We're, we're waiting for him to actually take on, you know, a live body who's a legit, you know, cruiserweight or legit prospect. You know, I'll even throw out, you know, some names who are around, you know, where he is. Uh, 
a kid right now from Worcester, Mass. They're Demick Edmonds, six and zero. Oh, he's, you know, he could have probably dr- driven right down and made that fight. He's twenty seven years old, six and zero, oh, five knockouts. They could have called him and made that fight. I'm, I doubt Derek. You know, Jake Paul wants to get knocked out against a guy who he looks and goes, "Ooh, well, if I lose to this kid." I'm I was going to say that's a hell of a step up fight. Not really. It's six and zero and five knockouts. I mean, against the guy. Yeah, who... I mean, he was he was taken on what fifteen and one or whatever. Rockman yeah, was. I mean, compared but, to yeah, Rockman, with, sure, but I just mean. But in with general. boxing, with boxing, boxing records too. It's so you really got to do your research on who these you know fifteen and one opponents are. Sure, a lot of them end up being be. padded. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, though. It's not like any of Jake Paul's fights were, again, this is where the uh, the problem of him not fighting real boxers and things comes in because it's like, let's be honest, it's not like he's really, I mean, even though he's had a few knockouts, he fought a basketball player that was half of his size. He fought, you know, ex-MMA champion, two ex-MMA two champions. He's not, he's not fought, uh, he's not fought a straight up boxer yet. And that's why this last fight was so intriguing, but. I guess we're going to have to wait and see what comes next out of the saga of Jake Paul, because as mentioned, you know, Logan Paul has been making sound waves over there in the WWE and says that we're going to see him back even more. We just saw Triple H on uh, Logan Paul's impulsive podcast, and all that stuff. So while one Paul brother looks like everything's falling through, I mean, everything looks like it's money for Logan Paul. And speaking of money, if you got to get your money together, make sure you check out the homies from G3 Payroll Tax and Accounting. They will get your files together, get your taxes together, get your money right. Tell them knockouts and three counts sent you. Check out that link in the description, and they'll get you together. Tell Jack we said what up, though. Um, all right, Chris, we got um, we got a couple other boxing fights. Uh, but before we get to that, what's uh, what's going on over there on your channel, man? What do you got uh, coming up next? Well, tomorrow we're dropping interviews with over at Anchor FM, which will be the last one on Anchor FM because I've got some news for next week here. We got Saeed Salma joining the show. Uh, he's getting ready for his big fight coming up on Bell Tour 284 on August 12th. We also got Omar Figueroa who'll be joining us. And he's, as I said before, last time we were on, you know, he he delves into the a lot of us, uh, you know, but depression, anxiety that he's been going through. It's a very powerful interview because he really opens up about the stigma that he's had to face, you know, not only from his own family, but from the boxing community, how, you know, the way that mental health is treated. It's definitely, you know, definitely must listen to an interview. We're going to be dropping that tomorrow at noontime. You can check it out on Anchor FM. We got over the weekend. We're going to have Bubba Jenkins, who's he's getting ready for his like semi-final fight on PFL over in the U- UK. We're looking forward to him coming on. And uh, mm-hmm. next week, we're finally, after some work, spit, threats, and everything else, and even having to, you know, hire monkeys to work on it, we're launching finally the website, lastcallpodcast.com. We're going to have boxing interviews, MMA interviews, boxing schedule and even some of the greatest hits I've done from, you know, Olympians to actors, musicians. You can ch- be able to check it out only on lastcallpodcast.com starting on Monday. I'm very excited to, to officially launch it. It's been a, a year to make it, but finally we've <laughs> made, you know, a 
legit effort to build this whole website thing of Bob up. Well, well congratulations, congratulations on, the, on the website. Thank you. As I said, several monkeys lost their lives. Interns were fired. I threw some things and had to throw a temper tantrum. But finally, we are launching it. Well, dude, you'll have to get us the link for that. You know, shout out on, uh, you know, shout out to you on the website. And so everything is going to be found there. Are you still going to have the YouTube channel and all that stuff? You'll have the YouTube channel, but you will also get, if you have trouble with YouTube, you'll be able to see our videos also on lastcallpodcast.com. And as I said, we're, we're even like archive stuff. So like interviews we did with like Ray Stevenson when he was shooting for Black Sales or Jessica Parker Kennedy, who's now on The Flash. Uh, Moran Atias of Tyrant fame. We're going to have those interviews on there so you can just check them out and go, holy crap. He actually interviewed people who are famous and like actors, not just fighters. Whoa. I like it, dude. So what's your favorite interview that people should check out on there? There's a ton. And as I said, is we got to speak with Nick Searcy. You got to check that one out from Justified Fame and also... Uh, Moneyball, we got to, you know, loved having him on. As I said, Miranda Tias, we, ha- we enjoyed having her on. Brent Foster from The Last Ship, who also talked about, he nearly became a UFC fighter. He was that close, and then he went to acting. That's another story for another day. But we, I've been fortunate. There's been a lot of great guests we've had on, you know, even some Olympic gold medalists in Did they have Tamar, a broken you know, men's stock. We had her on the show. I mean, it's a... I've been blessed. So as I said, it's, we're going to be airing this stuff. There's no pay-per-view wall, so you gotta, you just click on it, listen to it, and we're going to be adding stuff on every month and just new stuff and new tidbits here and there. Well, hell yeah, man. I can't yeah, wait I to can't see what you got there. The question is, do any of these Olympians have a broken freaking neck? Well, Tamara Minsa stock doesn't have a broken freaking neck, but she won a gold medal with possible ligament damage in her knee and still won and still cried and gave hugs. So that, I think that, that that should count. And it's not Kurt Angle, but as she said, she loves her hugs. Well, I like it, dude. Like I said, we're going to have to uh, check out and see what you got on the new website and all that good stuff. Well, the other thing we got to talk about on the weekend, as we mentioned at the front of the show, you know, we had the return, long-awaited return. I can't believe it took us that long in between the last time that Sam Alvey was on until bringing him back on being the last time he came on uh, was before UFC was here in Detroit, which was five years ago. So hot damn. I don't know why. The question is, did Sam Alvey get the win following coming on the show? I'd have to go back and look to be hundred percent honest with you, but hell we're going to be the good luck charm. He's going to go in there. He's going to get a knockout (laughs) in four minutes, 43 seconds. You heard it here on the show. He said he's going to knock him out in the first round. And uh, shit, if you're a betting kind of man, put some money on it. If, but, if uh, anybody could use it, it's good old smiling Sam, man. He needs uh, some good luck in his corner, man. Talk, talk yeah. about a string of bad luck. He gets in there and bangs, though, dude. So I yeah. think regardless of how this fight goes, he's going to get. if he goes down, he's going to go down swinging. But. Fellow past guest of the show, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, is in the main event as well. And uh, I feel like somebody else might be taking a nap. But we're going to get into this UFC Vegas 59 card and uh, make some crit. Make some Make some Chris. <laughs> make some picks. Uh, let's get after it. All right. So, again, I don't ever know if uh, 
I don't ever know if these things are like in order of any kind, but uh, we're going to go with what's in front of me. Before uh, you start reading off the order, because I feel like it's very prevalent with this one because it's the tough finale. Have either one of you guys watched a single second? of? I've watched the whole thing. Have you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Why wouldn't I? I? Well, because even a fight degenerate like myself has made it through about six of the episodes, roughly, and I had missed the whole back half. The whole back nine I walked away from. I had kind of seen the way it was playing out. But uh, I feel like it's very prevalent going into this one because it's the tough finale. I got you. Chris, did you watch Ultimate Fighter? I did not. I don't have the the UFC fight pass thing. I'm trying to, as I said, I had to decide. You got ESPN Plus? No, I had to get rid of it because, as I said, the interns were ready to revolt. I had to you know, pay them <laughs> off. So, you know, I had to make some, cut some corners here and there. But I do know Muhammad Usmanio. He's a legit, you know, heavyweight. A lot of people were on him before this. Uh, Zach, you know, Paga, that's a guy who comes from another power camp. He's, you know, from Elevation Fight Team. So you have two legit heavyweights who, you know, they are or light heavyweights in a lot of ways who – both of these guys can, you know, bang. They both have good wrestling. I, I'm going with Usman, though, just because I I just think he's, you know, the more well, well-rounded fighter. And I think, you know, he's been through everything more than Pog. I mean, he's had those, you know, the wins, the losses. He knows what it's like to literally have to, you know, dig deep. I like it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not mad at that pick. I mean, he's definitely uh, the more experienced. But man, Paoga's got the got the power. And you talk about good heavyweights. He's also going to have Curtis Blades in his corner this weekend as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Having watched these fights, man, I think Usman should win. But I think that Paoga is a little bit more athletic than him and could catch him. So it's going to be interesting to uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Um, as far as picking one, I'm going to go with Usman. But boy, if I was going to bet on Pauga, I would bet on him by knockout because man, that guy's got fucking dynamite in his hands. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that fight goes. Um, like I said, don't know if these are the orders, but here's where we're going to go. So you got. Uh, Priscilla Cachoeira versus Arion Lipsky, which could be a very fun fight. Who do y'all boys got in this fight? Cachoeira has done a great job of uh, allowing her opponents to land far too many punches on her face Mick. in pretty much every one of her fights. So with that being said, I got to go with Arianna Lipsky. I kind of lean in the same way. What are you thinking, Chris? Yeah, I just... Uh... I mean, you know, Cashewar is hit and miss something. You know, she unless she get you know starts off fast. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, you find out she'll gas out or she'll have trouble. I like Lipsky. I think she just has more, you know, tools to win by here. I'm going the same way. I think Lipsky wins this one. I think Cashewara is you know has a chance in the fact that she's wild, but I think Lipsky overall has more tools in the toolbox. I think that's going to be what ultimately gets him the win. Shout out to uh, the madman, Mickey Marshak, checking us out again. An old training partner of mine just picked up the dub at uh, Lights Out. Uh, he says he thinks that Usman's way too wild, so it looks like he might be going with Pauga as well. Um, going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. 
I'm I'm curious to see how much Usman's skills have improved because he had, he had made that run to your point with like I believe it was PFL if I'm not mistaken it, it may have been Bellator but I'm pretty sure it was PFL he made the whole debut and his brother was in the crowd and everything like that and then unfortunately had lost the fight and ended up not staying with the PFL for you know that reason and I feel like while he was there he was his skills were not definitely not anywhere near the level of his brothers and it was it was apparent he definitely had some holes in his game that he needed to improve on so with that being said I I had only seen Pauga in the you know two fights that I had watched you know before I had tuned out of the uh, tough season but that being said he looked pretty good in both of them man and to your guys's point I definitely don't I, I feel like it wouldn't be a sleeper pick necessarily to uh, think he may put Usman to sleep I mean, like I said, I think if he wins, I think he's winning by knockout. Um, the next fight we got on here, you got Augusto Sakai versus Sergey Spivak. Uh, they got uh, Augusto no, Sakai as a plus two hundred underdog on this one. Yeah, that's why I was going to say is another another uh, fun fighter to watch that necessarily hasn't uh, done the greatest job of showcasing where their potential ceiling is. Is Augusto Sakai, man? I feel like. He could be a very good, you know, heavyweight UFC contender, but he just keeps going in there with these guys and not really uh, relying on his fight IQ in any form or fashion and just uh, going in there swinging and not having it go out in uh, his corner. And then a lot of these guys are just able to ground him out and it doesn't seem like he's uh, able to put up much resistance against it. So it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to lean in his corner going into this fight, man. So you're going Spivak. Yeah, got to. Especially with the with the style that Spivak uh, implements in his game to win his fight. He has done the complete opposite, in my opinion. He came into the UFC extremely green, looked like he was fresh as could be. And I, I don't know if it was nerves or if he just wasn't able to really get the momentum needed in the first couple fights. But ever since then, man. He's been steadily uh, improving his levels. If this was the RPG game, he has all of a sudden went from a low-level character to a uh, somebody to watch out for on the map, man. He's uh, he's definitely making moves in that uh, heavyweight division, so I'm definitely going Spivak. What do you think, Chris? I got to go with Spivak. I mean, you, you got to start you know, worrying about Sakai. I mean, he's now suffered three straight back-to-back-to-back knockouts and mm-hmm. look you know Alistair Overeem that guy you know is a truck uh big you know biggie boy my guy Yair Zina Rosenstrike he could probably knock out a rhino if he want and Taya to Tuivasa another guy who likes to just start banging and you know knocking people out and drinking shoeys but <laughs> when you get knocked out three straight times it's like okay that's there's something you know you, you might have to start thinking retirement and yeah Look, you know, you look at Spivak. Yeah, he lost earlier to Marcin Tybora, but his last, you know, five fights, it's been four wins, one loss. Only lost Tom Aspinall, who's uh, much better than Sakai. He's had not, he has knocked, you know, a, a submission win over Tai Tuivasa. He has wins over Alexander, you know, Olinik. Jared Vander, you know, Vander Rod, Greg Hardy, knockout win over Greg Hardy this past March. Mm-hmm. I'm going Spivak. I'll say submission second round against Sakai. 
I, I tend I like to think I like that it's going to be I tend to think it's going to be Spivak as well. Um, I think like you guys both mentioned, I mean, with the skid that he's on again, not saying that because somebody's on a skid that they can't bounce back, but he's on a couple knockout skid. And when you look at the way Spivak's been fighting his last few fights, he continues to improve to your point, Corey. I think Spivak gets the dub in this one. Um, All right. Next fight on the card. So we already have made our picks for the men's ultimate fighter finale. The female ultimate fighter finale involves Brogan Walker versus Juliana Miller. Now, again, I have watched, uh, I have watched all of the fights. Um, with that being said, I think Brogan, uh, Brogan is definitely the more technically sound fighter. Juliana Miller is a dog and will fight until she's dead. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think that she's going to back down at all, but I think personally out of the two women, I think Brogan Walker is the more skilled. I think Brogan Walker becomes your, uh, female ultimate fighter. I, yet again, from what I had seen, I, I, with a name like Brogan, you, you kind of got to show some interest, right? Like it's just such an interesting name, whether you got to live up to expectations whenever you have an interesting name, I feel like in her case, she did. And, uh, to your point, she did look very skilled in the, in the fights that I was able to see. And um, it must be something in the water with these uh, Juliana's, huh? They just all are dogs, huh? But that being said, I, I, I agree probably Brogan's going to be able to get this one done. And Brogan Walker said that she was injured during the Ultimate Fighter. So if she got the heel up in between this, uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Who do you got in this one, Chris? I'm sorry. I, I to me this is you bet the farm on uh, Brogan Walker. I mean, you you look at you look at her record, and it's it's pretty damn good. I mean, she already has a win over UFC stalwart Miranda Maverick. Her only two losses were to Pearl Gonzalez, you know, veteran flyweight, you know, mm-hmm. Eric Blanchfield, who has Can't quickly gone on to you know become a rising force in the UFC. Mm-hmm. You're talking a woman who has seven and two fights versus somebody who literally has three pro fights. I mean, literally is basically still a newbie. And I get it. She ran, you know, she ran the whole thing. You know, she beat Caitlin Neal. She beat Claire Guthrie. The house is weird. It's always been a weird house where nothing ever goes going to plan. This is what we go going to plan. But Brogan Walker, I think just, Picks her apart. Mickey says Juliana. He wants Juliana to win. I like it. I'll probably even go third round knockout for Brogan Walker. For Brogan Walker. Man, you know i I think that it's going to be Brogan Walker too. But man, Juliana Miller. It's hard not to want to see her win because, man, like you said, mm-hmm. Corey, in the name, in the water, whatever it is, she's a dog because she can bang. <laughs> Um, she's tough. I think her heart's going to get her through it. I mean, that my point exactly. I mean, if you watch the fights on the season, I mean, she didn't give up and I think she was in two fights where she was ultimately underskilled and still ended up getting the dub. Um, Oh dude, she's, I could definitely see her getting finished or Brogan's going to really have to put it on there. If you guys are just joining the stream, we're talking UFC Vegas 59. Who do you guys think is going to be the female ultimate fighter? Um, we made our picks for the male ultimate fighter, Pauga and Usman. 
Um, I think Usman's definitely got the the ability to do it, but I went with Pauga. The next fight that we got on this card, we've got Vincente Luque versus Jeff Neal. Um, I think Jeff Neal's been very underrated for a while, but I find it hard to see anybody beating Vincente Luque right now. But, Chris, who do you got in this fight? Yeah, I got to go Vincente Luque. I mean, he's been, he's he's one of those guys you look and you go, okay, before Bilal Muhammad, he was just, mm-hmm. you know, wrecking people. Michael Kisa, Tyron Woodley, Randy Brown, Nico Price. He's only lost to you know, when you look at him, he's he, he it's he is an impressive you know record here. He's only three losses. Leon Edwards, who beats almost everybody who's not champion. Stephen Thompson, once again, a former world title contender. Bilal Muhammad, he has a win over Muhammad as well. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, Jeff Neal's a banger. I like. I know I, he's always in in action packed fights, but. I, I just think this is, you know, for too much Luke, too much just overall talent. I think he wins by decision. I I agree with the pick. Uh, I mean, but to give a little more analysis on it, my, my whole thing is that I feel like both of these guys are at very similar stages in my career. But my issue with, you know, why I wouldn't go on the Neil side is I feel like Vicente Luque is just a couple – We'll use the reference again. Levels ahead of where Jeff Neal is currently in his career, even though they're both in very similar stages. They're both, you know, at this point, they're known UFC guys that have fought top-level competition, whether successful or not. They've made both made that push towards the upper echelon of the division. Vicente Luque a little more successfully, you know, to your point. I feel like Jeff Neal, the style that he brings is the reason why he's not going to be able to get this one done, though. he He's a brawler boxing first, doesn't really implement any kicks, doesn't really implement any takedowns. He just usually, if he gets it done, it's usually by landing power on somebody at one given point. <laughs> this this card's not great, but it, it's a tough finale, man. They got to fit in two, you know, unknown you know, four basically unknown fighters unless you've been paying attention to the tough series. So that's why it's it blows. And then earlier in the prelims, there's a couple, but we're not going to get well, to those necessarily. But that being said, I feel like Vicente Luque is going to be able to get this one done because he's just slightly faster, slightly better, and does implement more aspects of his game. He throws more kicks, throws just more variety to his uh, striking game, and I feel like that's where the difference is going to be. Uh, I mean, I think Luke is definitely going to be the is going to be again levels ahead of him, especially in the striking uh, part of the game. I feel like he's going to be able to land just harder shots. I mean, the guy kicks like a damn mule. Yeah. Um, I, I I just feel like he's going to be too much and overwhelm Jeff Neal. Now, I don't think Jeff Neal is going to run. I don't think Jeff Neal is going to back down. I think he's going to try to stay in his face, but. I think ultimately, whether it's quick or over three rounds, like Chris said, I think Luke is going to put it on him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, for as far as who wins, I think Luke wins. Um, Bruce, I agree with you, man. There's not a ton of big fights on this one, but I know you were watching we us this past. Boy, dog. We got our boy. Well, that's what, that's what that's that's I, I know that, but I was getting there next. I mean, I know no, there may not. You. A... I'm saying for the all the people that keep saying that this card keeps sucking. You got to keep in mind that they're legitimately putting a 
up and coming, you know, could be the next level of the top five of the division at 205. They're giving him a showcase main event again. You know, they just gave him the one against Johnny Walker. Now they're doing uh, Tiago Santos. I, I feel like I wish they would have picked a different opponent. There's other guys at 205 that maybe would have garnered more interest in this main event beyond uh, Tiago Santos because he's on the slide that he's on. But uh, that doesn't mean that it's, you know, all of a sudden a shit event and you should tune out or something like that. I feel like Jamal Hill's still definitely a prospect. I think to be, the uh, fight's always, you know, will deliver. I, I, yeah. I think I think ultimately it'll deliver, you know, as far as seeing fun fights, but I agree it may not have as much name value. But I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Jamal Hill. Who do you got? But, How is it going to win? It's got to be Jamal Hill, right? We got we got to go with the uh, the homeboy on this one. But beyond just the uh, the show affiliations and stuff like that, the uh, state affiliations and everything else, it really his skills that he's been able to showcase, other than that uh, Paul Craig fight, and I don't feel like Tiago Santos is going to be able to implement that game, you know, that ground game, even if it did get there on Jamal Hill. <clears throat> every every other opponent though that Jamal Hill's fought, man. He has uh, – he's really just ran through these guys on the feet, man. He's looked almost untouchable out there. He's willing to, you know, stand in the fire and throw some punches with these guys, but he's not getting hit. It's like his it, – I don't know if it boils into his head movement or if uh, he's just able to control the range really well on these guys or no angles or something out. I'd have to do a little more deep diving on his game to see exactly why he's able. I know to what does it, and I'll tell you. I'll let I'll let you give well, your let's pick. Hear it. Let's let's hear, it dude. I'm, if you I'm follow him at Hill, Sweet but... Dreams Jay Hill, man, good lord, this dude was trying to kill them all with that red, white, and blue speedo he's been rocking around <laughs> Vegas. That's what did it. I'm just saying. Dude, that's what did. That's it. what the, did. It. That's what keeps just... his opponents at the perfect range and allows him to hit and not be hit but got man, like a does, mermaid man belt bro he he does a fucking great job in there man like and i'm not just saying that as like some fanboy from the hometown and shit but no i feel like jamal hill is uh he's really showcasing why he belongs in this main event showcase you know hey man whoever made that laughing emoji we try to give you guys the laughs here but it all all jokes aside i think uh i'm on the same court as you Corey. i think jamal hill is going to make another guy go to sleep come this Saturday. Chris, what say you? How do you see the main event going? Yeah, I got to go with Jamal Hill. I just – you look at it, unfortunately, Tiago Santos. And, you know, at one point he was just murking people left and right. And then yep. ever since John Jones, it's just almost like the wheels have fallen off. And, you know. The knees. Yeah, the knee Johnny, injury, Walker, Johnny Walker is, all, is even a hotter mess than he is. I just think Jamal Hill is he's he's too he has too much power, too much youth, and he's just a taller, more, you know, athletic, you know, athletic fighter. I think he easily wins and he's one step closer to, you know, a white heavyweight title shot. I think you're I think you're on on the money with that one. I think Jamal Hill is definitely on the way to <laughs> what? Before we uh, Jamal Hill versus Angela Hill, the Battle of the Hills, we gotta know. <laughs> we gotta find out, bro. No, but before we uh, pull off of the UFC event in its own, and I've been hearing 
I don't bring this up just because of the one comment I mentioned it, but I've been hearing it all week that this card sucks, yada, yada. You know, I'm going to do something else on Saturday for once and stuff like that. What can the UFC do to actually start to garner some interest? What is your beef with Angie Hill? Wait a minute. How do you not like Angie Hill? What the fuck? She's a sweetheart. Bruce, I know you come in here with the hot takes, bro, but how can you be hating on Angie Hill that hard? Yeah. Even if you think she's, you know, whatever about her game, man, she's she's sweet as hell. Good lord, for sure. And she but, can uh, bang. Yeah, and she goes out there and shows her heart. But that being said, what the hell can the UFC do? Can they offer some type of prize or something to garner more interest in it to the winning fighter, other than just a contract or something? Because contracts are being handed out. Five this last week on Dana White's contender series. But did you watch like week that. one yeah. or the week before I, that where he gave uh, yeah, one contract because motherfuckers yeah. weren't fighting? But what I'm saying is contracts are being handed out. It's not like the old days where it was like a exclusive club to make it into the UFC and there's only six, seven pay-per-view events throughout the year and hopefully you're able to get on one. It's not like that anymore. They're showcasing talent from all over the place whenever they go to some of these local shows they're starting to sign talent and stuff like that to to showcase the local guys and stuff i mean they've done it in the past but tenfold now contracts aren't as valuable as they used to be and then when you look at the fact that these tough winners aren't even like getting some you know they're still at the 15 and 15 or whatever they're not making some substantial uh, substantial, you know, boost in their contract or something from winning the series, the season. What can they do to garner some actual interest in these guys? It well, seems like they're to be honest, to, you know, pump it up on ESPN Plus and stuff like that, but it, it's just not working. Man. Well, Mickey bringing up a good a good uh, thought just from a fighter's perspective. You know, right? Why right? Why leave the house for weeks away from your family when yeah. you can go beat one guy? Here's the thing, man. In reality, the contender series is basically killing the ultimate fighter when you really think about it. Because, I mean, dude, you know, they don't even when you watch this season of the ultimate fighter. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not like back in the day, like when Miles was on there, who also happens to be a past guest of the show. Go ahead and check that out. But, uh, you know, when him and Darren were on the show, you know what that you saw a lot of the stuff that was going on in the house still. You know, now they've cut a lot of that out, which I'm sure some of it needed to be cut out. But, I mean, you don't really see much of what goes on in the house. You know, you're seeing, you know, when Usman's brother showed up, you're seeing when they get to talk to their families for a little bit. But you're not really seeing much of the interaction in between the teams like you used to either. Uh, I would argue that the Contender Series is going to do away with the Ultimate Fighter soon enough. Now, that being said... I think something that you could do to maybe change that and help it. I think the seasons where like uh, the season where Matt Sarah won or when they did like the inaugural straw weight chant or something of that ilk where they're fight, you know, they're fighting for something and it means something mm-hmm. right off the rip or at least, you know, I don't know. Let's, let's just say if you win the ultimate fighter, uh, here you go, Mickey chiming in. I love the Ultimate Fighter, seeing the guys train, but all the Contender Series is is five fights straight to the point, blood yeah. and gore. I mean, and dude, with the, and, with the, and modern with the modern world the way it is, and everybody, you know, obsessing over TikTok videos that last twenty seconds. That's what everybody wants is straight to the point with the action. I mean, 
a good point, I feel like, to not criticize tough, but, you know, to lay it out there. Brian Battle fights this weekend. We didn't, you know, he's not even on the main card. He's 2-0 and now in the UFC, making his third appearance, if I'm not mistaken. Winner of tough from last year. And they're not even making a big deal about the fact that he's on the card this year for the tough finale this year, you know? And- well, I think something that goes to your point, Corey, I think, especially with a guy like Battle, you know, Battle I thought was great. I watched the last season, yeah. you know, he was on there with past guests of the show, Vince Murdoch. I mean, but with that being said, I think the reason why the other thing that comes into the contender series and why people are enjoying that so much more is ultimately there's automatically going to be stakes because it's going against your record. These aren't just exhibition fights and you're seeing where a guy will go in there or a girl go in there and they lose in a contender series fight. And then these people are having to fight two, three, four fights to try to get back, get another shot just on the contender series where on the ultimate fighter, I mean, none of those fights are counting towards your record. I think these people are coming in here realizing like, Oh shit. Not only is this, the biggest job interview for me it's also if i fuck up and lose here it's also going to go against my record so i think that that has a lot to do with it we're going to have to see how it plays out i mean chris you can have the last word on this one man do you think uh do you have any ideas for what you think they could do to spice up ultimate fighter do you think we should just stick with the contender series i'd kill both just just, you know put them down Yes, a, kill them. The contender series. Kill them all. Because uh, I mean, contender series. White and everything he says they were trending number one with last week's event, and it was all it was everything. Name a great fight who came for contender series. I mean, think of it. Jamal, the best Jamal Hill fighting this week. Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley. They. I feel like contender series has done an amazing job. I feel like definitely keep contender series. Tough, Jimmy Pascas to the show, agree. Jimmy Flick. Yeah, I feel like tough, though, I can agree with your point. I feel like tough, I can definitely agree. Tough has ran its course, but I think Contender Series is still hot. And like Mickey said, I mean, the fact that you're getting five fights and there's such top-level guys that are fighting and you're getting banger fights. Now, if we see banger fights every week, because as we saw in the first week, Dana clearly is not fucking <laughs> around. So if you ain't coming there to fight, you yeah, can hit the road. Just keep so. your ass at home, yeah. So unless it's a stand and bang, bro, stand and bang, Dana doesn't want you. That's why I said kill both of them off. Just uh, if you're good enough to make the UFC, you're good enough to make the UFC. Don't have to do one of these. Just yeah, stand and bang, bro, stand and bang. But he's signed many a people off of impressive submission. I think what it boils down to is that would be an interesting way to do it and actively chase a finish whether you actually are successful in it or not go in there and actually you know and fighters will tell you all the time i'm always going in there looking to copy you know get the fin but you can tell when somebody's actually putting some you know biscuits on the line and risking their own to try to actually chase that finish throughout the fight you know and that's what he's talking about he wants to see that true action fight it doesn't necessarily have to be a what do you got i mean only but you know maybe this will have to where you're at least chasing submissions and at least making an active attempt to try to win the fight at every given point and not just hold position and win a round. That's what, that's what he's talking about. 
Oh, I agree completely with that. But I mean, shit, Mickey coming up with another ultimate fighter idea. What about if you put the top 10 guys in there and have them fight and make them fight for the belt? Now, I don't think you're going to get a lot of those guys to do that. I mean, ultimately, I think a lot be, of those guys that have been in. It would be dope if you did it. I mean, yeah, but wouldn't it? Like, it'd be like he already PFL. said he doesn't like tournaments, though. It'd be like a PFL season, basically, but for the UFC, if they were to do it that route, you know, see who fights for the belt at the end of it all. But, um, yeah, they, yeah, that one would be a great thought, but I, I, not happening. Again, they got to have something to be fighting for on the line. That goes back to what I said with, like, the title shot or, you know, a, a number one contender or a, or a whatever as long as something is there on the end of the thing, because unfortunately winning the ultimate fighter and winning that trophy has lost some of its luster, you know, over the years, but you know, what's not going to lose its luster knockouts and three counts. So you got to make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're new here, if you haven't already done so, make sure you hit that like button, share it, all that good stuff. Because like I said, you never know who could be on the other end of that zoom box with us. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I can just tell you, we've got some really cool shit that could be potentially coming to you. You know, some of which, uh, thankfully, helpfully um, facilitated by tonight's guest, uh, Chris Connor. So, Chris, before we let you get out of here, man, again, let everybody know where they can find you and the website and all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, stay tuned to see what we've got coming in the weeks to come. Well, you can check me out once again. It's the Last Call podcast on the YouTube channel. Just Google, type in Last Call on the YouTube channel. We also have a Last Call podcast launching next week. I'll be with everything YouTube, YouTube video, audio, everything you want. And for now, you can go to its anchor.fm slash Last Call W. Chris Connor. Okay. So you can check out the audio interviews. And yeah, gentlemen, always a pleasure. And once again, and congrats to you guys on your success. And as you, hey, hopefully you guys can break the curse. And Sam Alvey will not only get a win, but maybe <laughs> we're going to be as good luck right. charm. Damn it! You heard it here first. Four yeah. minutes, forty-three seconds. Sam Alvey is coming by knockout. You heard it here first. Peace. <laughs>